I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. He's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. It's, I'm like shaking in the corner. I don't know what to do with myself. There's no baseball one. So you're not going to watch Monday Night Football? Um, definitely not. I have, I honestly, I have no idea who is playing. Um, but um, go Patriots. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, we appreciate that on this podcast. For yeah. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> you, know, you know how to play to this crowd. Exactly. Um, you may have heard Shelly's voice on our other shows on this network. Um, Shelly has been on the Precap podcast with Keaton all year and also the Prospects podcast that we had at the beginning of the year when there was actually a minor league season. So we're very happy to have you on this show, Shelly, and as part of this sort of season end wrap up that, that we're going to do here, um, we are going to be talking about a whole lot of stuff. Um, we're going to be looking at who the Red Sox may look to replace as the manager of the team. We're going to look at the draft a little bit. We'll talk some Jackie Bradley Jr., who may have played his last game with the Red Sox. We'll discuss the free agents for the Red Sox, and then we'll talk about the rotation just a little bit before we get to 
some listener questions. So we have an extremely full show. Let's get right to it. Um, the season has ended. The Red Sox fired Ron Renneke. That wasn't super surprising at all. Um, my first question to you guys, and I will go to Shelly first, is do you think they bring back Alex Cora? Um, I'm like about 75, uh, 25% um, that they will bring back Cora. Um, the, the, uh, he... He was really, really good for the team for a couple of years. Um, and it, yeah, he had like that uh, kind of, um, uh, you know, Houston kind of thing. Um, so I think that they might bring him back. Um, but I, I, if, you know, if I had my, you know, if I had a call, um, I would actually not bring him back. Um, but there, were, I, I do think there is quite a, uh, uh, you know, a big thing where Cora might be back. Keaton, how do you feel about the situation? I think it's 50-50. The thing that I keep coming back to when thinking about the if they'll bring Cora back or not is Cora wasn't Heim Bloom's hire. And so I imagine he's going to want to conduct a search for himself to determine who the best option is for manager. That might be Alex Cora. Um, but I, I feel like he's actually going to put in a thorough search with a bunch of different candidates and then settle on someone. And Cora will probably be part of that search. And I would, I mean, based on what he did with the Red Sox, he probably would have the inside track. But I think Bloom wants to explore other options and just kind of do his own evaluation and determine if Cora is the right guy for him or hire somebody else. But I, I imagine he wants to make it his decision. Yeah, I have no clue. Uh, I have been trying to figure this out. And when Cora first got in trouble, uh, I said there's no way they would bring him back or should bring him back. And then the way that it was handled by the Red Sox and how much blame they seem to deflect from Cora made me think you yeah, definitely bringing him back but now that I hear you guys both prefer outside candidates and then also Keaton your point about Bloom wanting his own guy makes a tremendous amount of sense to me so now I'm starting to lean that they won't bring Cora back um, if they don't bring Cora back who are some targets that you think the Red Sox should look at? Keaton, any, anybody out there that you're particularly interested in? Oh man, on the spot. Um, I think there's a, there's a couple names. Um, shoot, now I can't remember what his name was. I remember we talked about him um, when we were going over who's going to be the Red Sox manager a few months ago. Um He's with the the Met system right now, part of their player development. Uh, Are you talking he was, about Hensley Mullen, Mullins? No. No, okay. But I'm sure that is definitely going to be a name. <laughs> he seems to continually pop up. Yeah. Um, but he was uh, uh, originally with the Red Sox and then um, left when Theo left hmm. and had been kind of bouncing around a couple other options and trying to quickly Google what his name is, because I can't remember. Uh, but he was a guy that we talked about potentially as an option um, way back in whatever February it was. So um, that's an interesting name to me. Um, Shelly, 
who do you have? Any interesting names? Maybe any raised guys? I don't know. Where where do we look here? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, when I came to this, like I, I I kind of like thought it might be Alex Cora, but then I you know started to do some Google searching. Um, and the great Jim McCaffrey over at the Athletic had like a great article. Um, and he brought up a, a she brought up a couple of uh, you know guys that might be interesting. There was a bench coach in Tampa Bay, uh, Matt Quitaro, which I could totally see. Uh, I could totally see Hein Bloom just kind of going with like a uh, you know just a really good raise guy just kind of bringing him into the fold um uh she also brought up will venable um he is like a really young uh player uh he mainly played for the padres um and he's been like with the cubs and i just kind of thought like a young uh manager might be kind of interesting there and then of course she brought up jason veritek which uh, would I mean I would love to see I just don't know how well it would do how well he would do um but kind of like the Tampa Bay's guy and then Will Venable um kind of just kind of like huh maybe I could totally see that if we don't go with Cora yeah I think the Will Venable idea is really interesting because he is just 37 years old and would provide a lot of energy to the team maybe in the same way that Alex Cora did um, I also like the Veritech idea. Um, I thought one of the names that she mentioned on her list that was really interesting was Mark Loretta, um, who was a Cubs bench coach and, you know, played second base for the Red Sox a few years back. Um, you know, he's 49. He's not exactly, you know, uh, an older managerial candidate either. So that's an interesting name. Um, but my gut tells me that, now this is going to go to somebody of Bloom's choosing. And I have no idea who that's going to be, but I've completely flipped since, what, we talked this weekend uh, on Dynasty's Child about this, and I had a different answer, and it was Alex Cora, and now I'm not sure. So, How about Veritech? Yeah, I, I mean, I love tech, um, and I think that catchers make great managers. So I, I just don't know. I, I just want somebody... Here's what I want in a manager. I think it's probably easier to to just talk about what I want in a manager. I want somebody who's going to bring enthusiasm, but also understanding that it is a 162-game season. It's a grind. You need to be flexible. You need to give guys days off. Somebody who's not going to be overly controlling, but not overly relaxing. Basically, Cora, um, <laughs> which is why I keep thinking about him. He was just kind of the right the right everything uh, for this team. And I also would really prefer the candidate to be bilingual. Uh, I think that makes a huge difference in today's game, um, the communication and, and short, sort of uh, bridging that gap that can sometimes exist in clubhouses between the Latin players and the non-Latin players. And luckily for the Red Sox, they've had Xander Bogarts that's been able to really bridge that gap between everybody uh, on the team, but I, I think having the manager be able to speak to guys in their native language too is just a huge plus. Uh, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, like the more I look at this, I, I am just, uh, I, you know, I kind of agree. I agree with you. Like I have no idea what Heimbloom is going to do because I mean we didn't really see a lot of his 
decision-making and moves this year because, I mean, it's been very, you know, concentrated to, like, two months. So I really just don't have a good feel of what Heim Bloom kind of wants to do. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. I think they will look to fill this pretty quickly because I do think that roster construction will have, you know, at least some buy-in from the... Uh, the manager. I, I expect this to be filled quicker than any sort of major free agent acquisitions. What do you guys think about that? Um, I Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Um, uh, you need to kind of get your kind of, you know, uh, core together before you kind of worry about free agent stuff. So I totally agree. All right, Ron Renicky. His time with the team is over. Um, Keaton, can you summarize Ron Renicky's time with the team? Sure. I mean, he was always a placeholder. Uh, and whoever the manager was, I'm sure Core is actually probably happy that it wasn't him <laughs> this season uh, because whoever it was was really set up for failure. Mm. Um, like, they were never going to be successful this year. They had missing their top two pitchers. The bullpen still wasn't good. That a lineup that could score runs, but they were going to give up a bunch of bunch of runs with the best of them too. Um, in the beginning, it was kind of frustrating with some of the the managerial moves that he did make, like giving Bogarts the day off, day two, <laughs> but um, <laughs> along with a, a long list of others. Uh, but in the perspective of, I mean, he was really just there to put out some lineups, see what they got out of guys. I mean, he was just he was just a placeholder. Shelly, how do you feel about Ranke? Yeah, I, I feel the same. Like, I really feel bad for the guy because he was kind of like, uh, you know, rock at a hard place kind of thing. Because he, you know, Alex Cora got fired and he was just like, okay, you're the manager. He's like, uh, okay. He was kind of, I just kind of felt that he was kind of cool with being like the bench coach kind of guy. And he was kind of like thrusted into uh you know into this lineup and it really wasn't great you know dealing with injuries and covid and all this other stuff so i really feel bad for the guy and i think that he did relatively okay but yeah i just think that he was a fill-in but i i'm sorry ron you know god bless you for doing this but yeah you (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, I agree. It was a really tough job. I agree with both of you guys about this. And yeah, I feel bad for Ron. I do agree with you, Shelly. I think he would have been perfectly content being Alex Cora's bench coach for like the next five years or whatever. Um, and just having that role, I don't think he really had any ambition to be a manager. And um, he'll probably go back to being somebody's bench coach and a pretty damn good one. Um, so, yeah, uh, better, better a bridesmaid than a bride. For, for Ron Renicky and happy trails to him. Um, all right, so let's talk about the Red Sox draft. Um, we are pretty sure that the team's 2020 record is going to determine the draft. This is not 100% official, but it's like 99.9% official. The Red Sox do have the fourth overall pick, um, giving them their second highest pick in team history, um, tied with 1966, where they picked fourth overall. They did have the third pick overall in 1967, which is, of course, the impossible dream season. Um, One where the Red Sox won the pennant and went to the World Series, only to lose painfully in seven games, like they did all the time when they went to the World Series. But hey, it's a different time. Um, 
outside of names at the very top of the draft, like Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, who are expected to go within the top three picks, is there anybody out there who either of you are really excited about and that you think would be a good target for the Red Sox? Or is it just too early? Or, or, or what are you thinking about this process? Let's start with you first, uh, Shelly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really hope that we, um, I, I, I don't think that Kumar Rucker is going to fall to us. I do think that he's definitely going to be the number one, number one overall pick. And I really do hope that uh, a pitcher like Jack Leiter falls to us. But maybe someone like uh, Judd Fabian, um, you know, maybe might be able to fall. Um, um, you know, and maybe uh, like Jaden Hill, um, he would, you know, was pitching pretty well as well. Um, but I really, I really do hope a pitcher falls to us with the fourth overall pick. Keaton, anybody you you've fallen in love with in this this draft class here? I have Jack Blyder, which I know you mentioned. Is there anybody outside? And my answer is no. <laughs> so, um. But we might not have to be outside. I mean, Jack could fall to four. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm hoping. I mean, for a long time I was expecting Rocker to go one and then Lighter to go two. And it really be kind of like the Red Sox needed to lose more to have a shot at them. Um, but a few things I've seen from industry folks. Uh, Jim Callis put out a mock top ten a couple of days ago and had Jack Lighter going seventh. Wow. Um which seemed real low, but if that's the case, if he's going to fall, I don't think the Red Sox let him get past four. Um, I also saw, oh my god, it was I, I'm killing it on the sources today. Um, there was another one that had Lighter as the six best, six best prospects going into the draft. Um, that was from a bit further back though. That was from um, entering the season, so it was like know, six months ago. It was before the season started, so maybe, maybe that's changed. But at the same time, there was no season for them to judge it. Maybe that hasn't. So um, I'm buying into the lack of a season allowing Lighter to slip and be there for the Red Sox at four, and that, that's what I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like from I mean, you guys can hop in and correct me if I'm wrong, but it definitely sounds like it's possible that Lighter does slip. And the other X factor here is that. You know, they still have to play the majority of a college season or the entirety of a college season before this process is decided. So the list of players could look very different depending on injuries. And I expect that with this weird offseason, injuries might be pretty common in the college ranks. Yeah, great point. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with Keaton. Um, I really do hope that, uh, you know, lighter kind of falls. I, I honestly, I just really hope that some type of like high pitching prospect falls because our system, just, it just really needs some pitching. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I obviously love rocker and lighter and I would be super stoked with either of those guys, but the more I've read up on Jaden Hill, the more I've been really interested in him, um, with the 70 slider, you know, awesome fastball in plus command. Um, so he is just a super interesting player. But truthfully, what I want the Red Sox to, to do picking this high 
is not to think about positional need at all and just take the damn best player. And I don't care if that's a position that is the most redundant position on the entire roster. Like you just want somebody at four who is going to develop into a no doubt stud. Um, He can either play for your team or he can be a massive trade chip for you to go get the pitcher you actually want. But, you know, I I think that's by far the most important part of this whole process is not to pull a trade ball. Oh my gosh, trade ball. I don't even want to think about (laughs) trade ball. (laughs) Well, do you think that they pull something? I mean, imagine at number four, they shouldn't have to or they shouldn't want to. But do you think they pull something like they did this year where... They, you know, they took Nick York about 80 spots higher than he was projected so that they could sign him for less money uh, and then take a shot at somebody later down the line in their third-round pick. Do you think they they sign someone that they think they can sign significantly under slot, even though there may be a better talent on the board? If they do that at four, I will judge Bloom extremely harshly. Um for for that um i don't you know ultimately even if this is the scouting director's call or whatever it's it's tied to bloom and uh i think when you're drafting this high you have a responsibility to not take somebody crazy under under slot especially when your farm system is weak uh, up top um you know they outside of casas and in downs they really don't have any impact talent at the top. So I think you spend your full slot and get somebody who is automatically one of the top three prospects in the Red Sox system. That's just my take on it. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that is what I would do as well. Um, um, I mean, I hope that Bloom doesn't do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I would just basically just get the best player available at that point. I don't care if he pitches, if he's in the outfield, infield. I don't care. Just get best player available. Keaton, do you think that's a real possibility for him? I hope it's not. I mean, I think if they were picking lower in the draft, they probably would. But at number four, and with the potential of like <laughs> the arms that are going to be there, uh, they just got to do it, and they got to pay him. Yeah. Agreed. Sometimes you just get to pay people. Speaking of paying people, Jackie Bradley Jr. could be gone uh, with this team. Um, And that makes me big sad because I've loved watching his defense. Uh, I'm not innocent of complaining about his streakiness, but man, he's a fun guy. And over the last 39 games with the Red Sox, he batted 303, 387, 514 with seven home runs, five stolen bases, and nine doubles. He was awesome this season. Um, and as the great Joe Castiglione pointed out on the radio uh, during his last game, he was listening to the broadcast. He said that he's improved against lefties tremendously this year. And I looked into those numbers. And he, uh, he has a career 84 WRC plus versus lefties. And in 2020, he had a 143. Um, and not only that, he led baseball and outs above average this year. Was the best fielder in the game. Um, best outfielder in the game. He did it all this year, guys. If this was the swan song for Jackie Bradley Jr., dude did it up right. He did. Yeah. Uh. 
yeah, he really did. Um, I mean, I've kind of just been like a Jackie Bradley Jr. kind of believer for a while, whether it's fantasy, real life, when it comes like the offensive, offensive standpoint. Um, I know that he's been, you know, very, very hot or cold. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope that this is not the, the last that we see of him, but I know that it probably is, especially, uh, you know, seeing in that last game where he was, you know, leading, hitting leadoff. Um, and that's nothing that he's really ever done before. So, unfortunately, I think this might be um, the last game that we see with JBJ. And it, it, it kills me. I don't know who we're going to see it, it, you know, snagging, like making all these amazing plays in the center anymore. Yeah, that's the part that I think I'll miss the most is the, uh, yeah. the fielding for sure. Um, so Shelly, you want him back. Keaton, do you want him back on this roster? I do, but short term. Cause I would like to hand it off to Duran and I would actually be fine with him as like a fourth outfielder. However, there was some chatter on Twitter about like how much teams overvalue, um, center field defense and they expect him to get like a four and 60 kind of deal. That's yeah. a little pricey for me. Huh. I don't want to go that high. See, I think that too. I, I think he's going to end up going to some cavernous outfield and getting at least a three-year deal. Uh, I, I I think the market is going to be really interested in the skill set that he had this year. Um, so let me just ask you both. Would you both be comfortable with bringing him back on a one-year deal? Yes. Yes, totally. Two-year deal. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's as high. That's my max, though. Three year deal? Nope. Yeah, two year deal is probably about the max. I mean, I I I love what I've seen from Duran uh, Duran. So yeah, two years probably max. Yeah. So um, I think a one year deal would be excellent. I just don't think that he's gonna have to choose that. And from everything out there. You know, hearing him talk about his time with the Red Sox and his last few, you know, times at the ballpark and stuff like that, he was talking about sort of looking up into the stands and taking in Fenway and the Green Monster and all these things and thinking about all that the team has accomplished during the time that he's been there. Um, It just had the sound of a guy who knows he's not going to be back. It is a real bummer that there were no fans there to give him like an ovation. Yeah, he came off yeah. for his last game. That is that is a bummer. Yeah, that part really sucks. Um, so my gut tells me he will not be back. What does your gut tell you, Keaton? Same. I mean, if if people are if there's a team out there that's gonna go that high to like four and sixty, fifteen mil a year, something like that, really over ten mil. Um, then yeah, I, I don't think the Red Sox are going to go that high. Shelly, you think the market will be that good? Yeah, my gut says that we're not going to see him back. My heart says that we will, but um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think that we're going to see JPJ next year, and you know, makes me cry. Makes me cry. So, are you either of you ready to hand the reins to Jaron Duran? after not getting even a cup of coffee this year? Or do you see the Red Sox going out and signing somebody as a stopgap here? 
Yeah, they'll add somebody cheap, like a on a like a Mitch Moreland deal, like a two and five or something like that, two and six. What do you think, Shelley? Uh, yeah, I definitely think it's going to be like a, a very small kind of deal, just kind of like a stopgap before uh, Durant kind of uh, gets it going and is the everyday center fielder. You think we can trade like a back 60 prospect for Albert Elmore to just play defense out there? <laughs> I think what this means is that we're going to see a lot of Jose Peraza in center. Oh no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no, don't say that, Keaton. No one needs that. God, if that's if that's twenty twenty one, um I might be asking to go back to twenty twenty. Yeah. Packing it in already. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So with JBJ, uh really the Red Sox only free agent of note. Um there are a couple others. The Martin Perez has a team option. Um that can be picked up by the Red Sox and Janie Martinez can opt out. So let's get to Perez first. Um, Keaton, will the Red Sox bring back Martin Perez? Yes. All right. I agree. Shelly, do you agree? Uh, yeah, they will. Um, they have a lot of uh, uh, kind of like starting pitching kind of question marks. So yes, they will. Shelly, there's a lot of uncertainty in your voice when you say, yes, they will. What's going on? Why do you hate my man, Martin Perez? <laughs> uh, I know. Like, he's been, he's been, basically, he's been our ace this year. Um, but, I mean, I just go back and look at what he did in, like, the first half with the Twins last year. He was, like, a, looking basically like the same type of guy. And then he went, you know, Marti Perez and was, like, forced into the bullpen and they, the twins didn't even want to use him. So the small sample size scares me. Um, but with our lack of starting pitching kind of depth, I'm totally okay with it. I just don't know if we're going to see this type of production for the entirety of 2021. Yeah, I mean, he's not a great pitcher. Uh, he had a 97 ERA minus this year, so just slightly better than average. Um, and his hard hit rate was very good for the second year in a row. Um, he only allows a 29% hard hit rate. He dropped it from 29.7 to 29.2. Um, that is one of the better marks in baseball among starting pitchers. Um, but he still does give up you know, too many home runs and, and things like that. And his strikeout minus walk rate is not very good. It's only 6.9%. Um, but he eats innings, you know, yeah. and he can, he can spin you some decent games. He was, he had like five of the Red Sox, 10 best started games this year. And I know that that like doesn't say a lot on this crummy staff, but the fact that he had, was this one, two, three, four, five games with a game score above 60 with two above 70. Um, he, he did spin a few gems. So I'm, I'm bullish on having him back for next year, especially considering the price, the fact that he's only 29 years old, he will be 29 to start next year. Um, do I think he's part of the next great Red Sox team? No. Um, but I think that he will eat innings in a year that they need to figure out what they have from, you know, Chris Sale and Nick Pavetta and uh, 
Eduardo Rodriguez and whether or not Tanner Houck is for real and like all these different things that they need to figure out. I just think it's good to have his body back there. Yeah. And the other piece of this is that Chris Sale isn't going to be back until like midway through the year. Yeah. So there's room on the rotation to figure out what you have in these guys. Uh, and I, I hate to say that he'd be a stabilizing force, but <laughs> given the rotation that we have, he kind of would. <laughs> so uh, that's why I think he's going to be back. That cutter's nasty. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. That's a good pitch. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, J.D. Martinez has said he will likely opt in. Um, I think it's pretty obvious because he sucked this year, as he said himself. Uh, Shelly, will he bounce back next year? Um, I think I think that he will. Um, I mean, I know um, that he has like some really nasty platoon splits, and this year looked really bad. Um, but I really, honestly, I just believe in J.D. and... I know that he has said that he has had, you know, he can't really go back and like look at video and he is a very kind of like a hitty type of hitty type of player, meaning he's very regimented. He needs to look at things. Um, so I honestly just think that, um, he is, um, he's definitely going to come, he's going to be much better, you know, as long as everything is, you know, this, uh, like a normal type of season next year. Um, I do think that he is going to be better. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do think that he's going to opt in. I think that he's just going to be a good, you know, bounce back candidate next year. Okay. Uh, I want to play a game with JD Martinez's WRC plus for next year. And I'm going to start low and I'm going to go up and you guys tell me if he's going to be above or below this mark. Okay. So this year, his WRC plus was 77. Will he have above an 80? Yes. Okay. Um, so will he be above 90? Yes. Above 100? Yes. 110? Yes. 120? No. Okay. Uh, Keaton, will J.D. Martinez be above or below 120 WRC plus? Man, that's a good mark. Um, I'm going to go slightly under. Slightly under. Okay. I will say slightly under as well. And if that's the case, 
uh, this J.D. Martinez deal for the next two years is going to look pretty crappy for the Red Sox. Uh, his WRC plus marks for his last couple of years with the Red Sox um, were 170 in 2018, which was incredible, and then 139 last year, albeit with 36 home runs. I think I can deal with J.D. Martinez with a 120 WRC plus if he hits 30 bombs. But if he doesn't get that power back um, in, you know, has a batting average, anything close to under 250, that contract's going to look rough. Yeah, I mean, there's always a potential. I mean, if he has a a, a decent year, like, kind of like you said, where like he, he goes 120 WRC plus, but hits 30 bombs. I mean, there's a potential for him to opt out and go DH somewhere else. So it, it might not look super bad. I guess if he opts out, but you're right. I mean, if he stays through the end of this contract and is putting up that kind of production, then yeah, that doesn't look great. There's no chance he's a trade candidate this offseason with that contract and this performance, right? Well, depends. Um, at the trade deadline, the Red Sox were rumored to be shopping him around, or at least he was on the block, and the Red Sox would eat some of the money. Mm. So if that's the case again this offseason, sure. I wouldn't see why not. What do you think about that, Shelly? Do you agree yeah, I, I, I don't know if he's like a, a trade candidate. Maybe maybe into like next year. Uh, maybe not this uh, this offseason because this season he looked just so lost. And, you know, the, the splits against like the righties just last couple seasons kind of scared me a bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I could see him kind of moving maybe at the trade deadline. Yeah, I think he needs some time to rebuild his value. I'd be very surprised if he if he moved in the offseason. When we did this roundtable about J.D. Martinez, which you can go check out on Over the Monster uh, a couple weeks ago, I went into it being like, yeah, I'll be like a 5 out of 10 on the worry scale, and I ended up at an 8 when I dug into him. Um, so <laughs> I was much more alarmed than I thought by when I looked under the hood and, and saw what was happening. So... Uh, JD, I, I, I love you, man. I have a bobblehead of yours on my desk at school um, where I teach, and uh, I would really like for you to be good again. So, please. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about Tanner Houck and Nick Pavetta. Uh, both of these gentlemen pitched very well over their last few starts of the season. Tanner Houck had three amazing starts. Uh, Nick Pavetta had two very good starts. Um, I want to talk about Houck first. Shelly, will Hauk be in the rotation to start the year? Um, unless uh, the Red Sox make like some like crazy offseason signings, um, with what Hauk has done, uh, I think that he is, and that totally shocks me. Uh, I I just I just kind of like had penciled him in as a reliever, um, just kind of like with his last you know his last year in two thousand nineteen between Delta and AAA. I had just kind of like penciled him in as a reliever, and uh, he's basically uh, made me look stupid. Um, these uh, what past three starts, um, he's looked really good. So yeah, I, I do think that he's going to be in the rotation for the Red Sox um, at the beginning of uh, next year. Yeah, it's not just you that he's made look silly. Basically, everybody <laughs> I trust who I talked to about uh, Tanner Houck was like, yeah, he's got a reliever profile, and then he comes out and does this, um, which I like a lot. Uh, I actually made an incredibly risky start 
of Tanner Houck versus the number one offense in the National League, uh, the Atlanta Braves, in my fantasy matchup on the second to last day of the season. And it paid off in spades, but uh, that one scared the crap out of me, and I can't <laughs> believe it worked. Um, Keaton, do you believe Tanner Houck has done enough to stay in the rotation? Yeah, I think he has. I mean, not only has he had really good starts, it's betting against three really good offenses, the Marlins, the Yankees, and the Braves. So I think that's enough for me to say, sure, go to it. I wonder, though, how much not having really any scouting report. Well, I mean, I'm sure they've had like a, a minimal scouting report, but um, I'm not sure how much of what he did at the alternate site teams could actually look at and kind of prepare for. So I wonder how much that had an effect on him being successful. Uh, I also still have questions about how him being able to handle the starter's workload for an entire season. So I want to see him get the chance and see if he can hold uh, his velocity and get deep into to games when he's 120, 30, 40, 50 innings deep into a season uh, to see if he really can be a starter. So there's still certainly questions there, but he's done enough in these three. And given the state of the Red Sox rotation, uh, he should be part of the opening day rotation there and kind of given a chance and given some legs to see what he can do. Yeah, I agree with you both. Um, and initially, you know, even after the first really good start against the Yankees, I was thinking they'd still send him back to the minor leagues to, to work on things and specifically to work on that splitter that he needs to refine. Uh, I like what I saw from him, but it still does scare me. And some of those red flags about not having enough pitches still freak me out a little bit. I don't know how long you can succeed with this sinker, four-seam, slider combo. Um, it does seem like he kind of has two versions of the slider, one that's a little bit more cutterish, so maybe that pitch can play up. Um, but I do need to see the splitter more. And if he can do that, I think he's a no-doubt starting pitcher and maybe even like a number three starter on a pretty good team if he can figure that part out. He's got such a big body. I'm really not super worried about him uh, long-term with the starter's workload, and he really hasn't been injured either. I think his velocity does fluctuate a little bit, but I'm not actually super concerned about that with him because he seems to be able to pitch and shape his pitches uh, with a reduced velocity. Um, but I still think that he needs to spend pretty much the entire offseason staying healthy and working on that splitter and getting more comfortable throwing the pitch. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would totally agree. Like, he has not really been hurt at all. And he he looks like, a, a, you know, a, a major league starter on the mound. Um, he just really needs to get that, that splitter going, and he'll be uh, just a really good asset for the Red Sox going forward. I like that you said asset because he does have that classic big ass, you know, that pitcher just... <laughs> giant legs and ass he's just all like bottom half uh he's a he's a gangly dude he he looks like a pitcher um all right so let's talk about another big dude nick pavetta uh large man also throwing for the red Sox. uh made me write a haiku about him because he was so (laughs) damn effective um That shocked me, man. Um, I couldn't believe that first start. I, it really freaked me out. I was like, "What? What? what is this? Um, but the trade with Bloom uh, with the Phillies looks amazing right now with 
Workman and Hembree basically just imploding even further uh, for the rest of the season. So I love that. But Keaton, let me ask you about Pavetta. Is this guy going to be in the rotation next year? We joked about it on previous podcasts, but like, doesn't seem like a joke anymore. I want to see his spring. I want to see more from him. Two starts is a really small sample. He did really great. He's had stretches with his time with the Phillies where he's done like two game stretches like this and then everybody and their mom buys into him being the next Cy Young Award winner and then he sits to bed. So um, I was wildly impressed. He uh, really exceeded my expectations because I basically had none. So that's nice to see, but I still want to see more before I buy into the Pavetta Reclamation Project. Shelly, what did you see from Mr. Pavetta? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I feel the you know I have the same feelings as Keaton. Um, I was totally shocked with that first that first start. Like I was watching it, I'm like, really? This is this is actually what's the the Red Sox actually have something good going on with with their pitching uh, because I just was expecting nothing from Pavetta. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that he has like an outside chance of making the rotation next year. I just I I I agree with Keaton. I need to see more. We've seen these stretches with Pavetta with the Phillies where he's looked good, you know, for a couple starts, and then he like totally blows up. So I need to see more. But I was you know I was um, in awe watching his two starts. I think both are a lock for the rotation for next year at this point. Um, I was kind of joking with Matt when we we made rosters for 2021, and I included Pavetta as one of the starters on that roster. I did not have Hulk, but I did have Pavetta as the five starter, and I had a free agent coming in to fill one of the voids, and I, I can't remember who it was, but um, I actually could see them running out, and on opening day, Eovaldi, Perez, Hulk, Pavetta, and potentially Erod if he's healthy enough to start then, or some depth piece that they sign from somewhere, or even like a Ryan Weber. I'm not even convinced they're going to sign somebody because if if Erod really is cleared and Sale is looking good, those two guys are going to kick out whoever the two weakest links are in this starting rotation around whatever time they're healthy enough to come back. And I think you want to give the back end of this rotation, which is pretty much the whole thing. I'm just going to call the whole thing the back end. Um, But like Eovaldi could easily be hurt. Martin Perez could be ineffective. Tanner Houck could show that he needs another pitch. And Nick Pavetta could turn back into a pumpkin. Um, So all of these things, I I think they want to see what they have in these four guys at the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, may the, may the best man stay in the rotation when, when these two studs come back. Totally agree. And with Sale not coming back until midway through the year, there's plenty of run, uh, like I said this earlier, plenty of run to see what they have in these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And do either of these guys have options? I feel like, yeah, so Pavetta still has an option, and Tanner Houck has an option. So that's another thing that makes these guys pretty damn attractive, the fact that you can stash them. That's good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Red Sox are not used to having starting pitcher depth. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very strange feeling. 
Uh, well, let's not go crazy now. We are talking about a guy everyone thought was going to be a reliever and a guy who had an ERA over 16 when he got here. Yeah. No, <laughs> so let's, very accurate. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> Come on, Keaton. Let me enjoy this moment of feeling <laughs> like we have depth. All right. So uh, last thing I want to talk about before we get to our listener questions is the Red Sox bench heading into next year. Um, there's a potential logjam of a bunch of guys who can play a bunch of positions. So Jonathan Reyes, who is someone that they were able to keep rule five pick from the Astros this past year, um, played a bunch with the team. He can play all over the infield. Sue Wei Lin, who is out of options, played in the infield and outfield. Um, they have uh, our favorite guy, uh, Yairo Munoz, who should be healthy to start next year. Um, you know, he can play all over infield and outfield. There's a lot of options for this team uh, on the bench, and that's not even including some of the guys down at the alternate site who could get some run, uh, including uh, CJ Chatham, who we didn't see, Jose Peraza, who is still around for some reason, um, <laughs> Josh Akami, who Keaton will forever never stop loving and probably won't get taken in Rule 5 again, so he'll probably be around. Uh, Keaton, this is your baby here. All of these uh, weird <laughs> utility types. So tell me what is going to shake out with the bench next year. Well, what I think. Um, Munoz has done enough. I think he'll be there. Chavis, I think he's going to be there. Um, I think Lynn doesn't really have a spot. Peraza better not have a spot. Um, Aruz is interesting. <clears throat> um, he was on the team all year, so I'm not. Well, I'm not exactly sure. He he doesn't have to stay there for another year. No, he can get right? an option so, next year. Yeah, I think that's probably what happens with him. They'll probably hold on to him in some form or fashion. Um, I think they'll probably end up adding somebody to be like a true outfield util. Um. And then they'll roll with Munoz uh, and Chavis as kind of those back-end guys. Okay. So you see it as a bench of Pawecki, Munoz, Chavis, and an outfield signee. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, Shelly, how do you see this whole thing shaking out next year? Uh, yeah. Um, officially, I, I, I really do think that, um, you know, Lynn... I don't really think has a spot and it makes me sad because I've always kind of loved, loved the guy. Um, Ruse, I do think he's going to be optioned uh, because he can. Um, it was kind of, um, you know, he got kind of lucky being, you know, a real fight draft pick with the, the Red Sox and he kind of stick with the, the, the roster for the entire year. But I think he's going to be optioned down. Um, I think Munoz has really, really earned his spot as well. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of like Arroyo over Chavis. I know this is kind of maybe. A, How dare you? I know. I know. I was like, I, should I say this? Uh, but, but I am just like so out with with Chavis. Like, I understand what he is, and I, I, I just haven't seen any improvement on 
the the horse with him. Uh, so I would kind of roll with Dolbeck and Arroyo, in my opinion, but I could see Dolbeck with Chavis as well. So do you think Dolbeck and Arroyo are going to be bench pieces or starters? Uh, ooh. Uh, yeah, so maybe Dolbeck is going to be a starter, and maybe Arroyo... Uh, well, I think, actually, 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 I think Arroyo is going to be a starter as well, like the majority at second base. Um, I kind of liked what, what I kind of like what he did. Now's so a great I, time to bring up what I should have brought up last time we talked. But uh, when Christian Royo made his debut with San Francisco, his nickname was the Boss Baby because he looked like a child. <laughs> <clears throat> I agree with Jelly. I like Arroyo more than I like Michael Chavis too. Uh, already from just the small sample size, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Arroyo gets the job at second base next year. If that's the case, though, I don't know if you can afford to carry Michael Chavis on the bench. I think Poweki is a lock. I think Yairo Munoz is a lock. Um, I'm not sure if Chavis is a lock for the bench spot. I wonder if he gets traded, even though his value is super low, um, based on what he was as a prospect and maybe what he was in 2019. I'm not sure, but I, it's going to be really hard for this team to carry Dahlbeck, Arroyo, and Chavis all on the same roster next year, right? That seems tough. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's tough. I mean, just seeing like towards the end of the season, they were putting Chavis out and left, and obviously that's going to be Benny's spot. Um, so, yeah, I just, um, yeah. As much as I hate to see Chavis go, yeah, I think Chavis is um, not long for the roster. So, with how Duran has uh, played this past year, do you do either of you guys think that uh, Jaron Duran has a chance as at breaking camp as the fourth outfielder for this team and being the bench outfielder rather than signing a veteran or something like that? I mean, I guess he could. I'm not expecting it because he hasn't seen any like legitimate time above Double A, uh, and he really only had half of a really good season at Double A. So I would think he needs more at bats. Um, I guess I'm not sure how much to put on the alternate site. I know he had some great numbers, but I just think that he needs to see actual like Triple A games before. I mean, I expect him to be up at some point, but just breaking camp seems like a little aggressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I've loved what I've seen from Duran, um, you know, at SimCity, but it's just like, I kind of need to see him do uh, something other than like Red Sox reject pictures to give <laughs> me um, a little bit more uh, to make sure that he's actually legit. <laughs> You need to see some some uh, Jaron Durant versus Josh Hader or something like that. <laughs> something, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not Hader, just any any workable pitcher. Yeah. Um, which we didn't have any of those in the bullpen up at Boston, so there was no way we we had those at Sim City. Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk about some listener questions here. We have our first one from Lee Waterhouse. He says, who is the manager? Should John Henry sell the team? What pitcher should Bloom target in the offseason? So we already talked about the manager part. Uh, uh, Keaton, this one seems very queued up for you. Uh, should John Henry sell the team? No, I don't think it's, uh, he's, 
should sell the team. I just want him to stop being an idiot or <laughs> assuming that Red Sox are just Red Sox fans are idiots and going to just follow him in blind faith. Um, that would be my preference. And, you know, pay your superstars when you have a generational talent on your team. Uh, Shelly, do you agree? Uh, uh, yes. I'm afraid to get, like, into, like, the Mookie bet situation. <laughs> so I'm just going to be like, uh, I'm just going to call a mulligan here. <laughs> <laughs> that is very fair. Um, Shelly, which pitchers do you think Bloom should target in the offseason? Um, honestly, I would kind of go, like, maybe for, like, some interesting, like, four or five type of guys. Maybe, like, a uh and anthony discafani with the reds i think he's a you know um kind of a a signing that you could probably sign for pretty cheap he had a kind of a wonky year but i liked what he was doing with the reds so maybe kind of like those types of guys yeah taiwan walker okay yeah taiwan walker yeah yeah I, I, yeah I, I want them to sign somebody cheap um just because I don't think they'll be near the top of the market with Bauer. I think Bauer probably just wants to go someplace where he can win. Um, and I don't think the Red Sox are winning in 2021. Um, and John Henry should not sell the team. Um, John Henry's an amazing owner who has brought the Red Sox one, two, three, four championships. So come on, people. Uh, Jacob Cordero has our next question. Red Sox record next year, assuming 162. How about in 2021? Uh, did they make the playoffs? Um, well, that is 2021. Um, Shelly, Red Sox record next year. Um, I say just above 500. Um, I still kind of feel kind of sketchy with that, with that, um, with the with the pitching. Um, so I just barely over 500. Keaton. Yeah, I was pegging them for 81 and 81. Um, I was going to go with 82, so we are all in the same area, and I think that would mean no playoffs uh, for the team. Yeah. Yep. All right. Jackson Posey, he says, is it time for draft questions yet? If not, what was the most fun thing you saw all season? Wow, Jackson, branching out, not giving us a crazy question today. Um, well, thank you for the question, my friend. Um not too early for draft questions as evidenced by our draft talk. Um, but the most fun thing I saw all season was, Oh, Alex Verdugo mic'd up. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh, everything Alex Verdugo this season was great. And after about a week of Alex Verdugo, I just was tweeting madly that Red Sox Nation was going to just fall in love with this kid. And I feel like they did after just one year. And the skepticism was so high with Verdugo that uh, I'm really happy that everybody seems to appreciate how much he loves the game, how hard he plays, and the skills that the kid has because they're very, very real. Best thing I saw was uh, includes... Alex Verdugo, but all of the outfield assists. Mm. That was great. Shelly, what about you? Uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, Verdugo. Like, he's definitely been, like, my my bright spot in this season. I mean, I'm not going to talk about, you know, obviously, you know, my bae, uh, Xander Bogarts. Love that man. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but yeah, it was definitely Verdugo just just totally killing it in kind of a crappy season. Um, and then, you know, whenever, you know, JBJ just made like an amazing catch in center. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, we're, we might have to trade dates with Xander Bogarts because you can't have them <laughs> to yourself on this show. Um, Patrick says the, the, uh, the old green Magnus, our friend Patrick, uh, says you guys paying your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Patrick. Uh, and more than $750 worth as well. True that. True that. <laughs> uh, Brandon Stewart has our next question. He says, did Tanner Houck show enough to lock down that four to five spot? Uh, also, have you seen someone pitch like Pavetta before fastballs down, breaking stuff up and survive? Uh, we already addressed the first part, but that second part is really weird. Um, and Pavetta's fastball has been hammered because fastballs down tend to get lifted in this particular environment. Um, Keaton, does he remind you of anyone? He does. I don't think you're going to like it. Oh, no. But Rick Porcello. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> what an absurd, absurd comparison. Oh, come I think on. It's dead off. No. Shelly, please say something better. Uh, um, I'm just going to kind of not say anything there. Oh, man. <laughs> Rick Porcello. The guy won a Cy Young. Oh my god! Yeah, Outs- all right. Outside of that year, sure. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, happy we're almost at the end of this one. <laughs> um, Kurt Strack has our next question. He says, "If money wasn't a consideration, uh, Nate's contract, uh, what would you like to see the team do with the roles of Nate Perez, Hauk, uh, uh Perez heading into spring training?" Um, well, I said Perez twice. Um, I wonder if he was talking about someone else. But um, Eovaldi, would you guys keep him as a starter or would you convert him to relief if contract wasn't an issue? Let's just say Nate Eovaldi was signed to like a $2 million deal. Yeah, I would say start him. Yeah, I agree. I just, I just don't think that we have enough depth to you know, have the luxury as a uh, luxury of Eovaldi as a reliever. Yeah. And also his last three starts of the season were really, really good. Yeah. So and his first handful as well. Yeah. Um, he's enticing. And I think as he's gotten older, he's become a better pitcher because he was never one of those guys that struggled with stuff or velo. It was just always, knowing where to put it and being a little bit more crafty. And if, if anything, he's gotten a little bit better with age. So I'm, I'm kind of excited for Nate Uvalde heading into next year. And I think all those guys will be starters on all of our prospective 2021 teams. Yep. Um, for the listeners there, that uh, those, those dulcet snores <laughs> oh, that you no. hear in the background are uh, Shelly's 
wonderful dogs. Uh, which which one is gracing us with his his nostrils right now? <laughs> that would be Soto. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, we we love Soto. Um, look look at Shelly's Twitter for some pictures of Soto. It's it's quite good. Um, you can find all of us on Twitter. You can find Shelly at Shelly V six four three. Um, you can find Keaton at the Spoken Keats. You can find me at, at Dev Jake. Um, you know, check us out there. You can find uh, the Over the Monster site at Over the Monster. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Um, subscribe to the show. We are going to be coming to you once a week during the off season. And if any news breaks, we will be here for emergency podcasts. It will be some combination of myself, Shelly, Keaton, and Matt, uh, Matt Collins up at uh, Over the Monster. So we will uh, keep the Red Sox in your ears all off season. And um, I guess that does it, guys. So thanks again for joining me. And um, listeners, thanks for listening.